My name is Belinda Granger and I'm the professional liaison for Challenge Family. I'm also known throughout the triathlon world as being a bit of a mother hen to the pro athletes. Of course, given the current circumstances, I've been thinking about the athletes a lot lately. So we came up with the idea of Coffee Calls with Belinda, which basically gives me and you an opportunity to check in with them all and see how they're all going. So welcome to the official Challenge Family podcast. I think it's time for a coffee. Welcome back to Coffee Calls with Belinda. Uh, My name is Belinda Granger uh, and I am here today with quite a fascinating character, very young athlete, particularly for long course. Uh, He is from Denmark and his name is Daniel Beckegaard and I know I'm not pronouncing it perfectly but that's I've been told that's good enough. Welcome, Daniel. Uh, welcome. Uh, thanks a lot. Um, nice to hear from you, Belinda. Yeah, look, now, Daniel, I was saying to you before uh, we started the podcast, officially started the podcast, that I always get quite excited when I'm speaking to pro athletes that I actually don't know much about because it's just as interesting and as fascinating for me to do this podcast as it is for our listeners because I get to learn a little bit more about an unknown athlete. And you're from Denmark. Obviously, that is where you're living now, yes? Yeah, yeah, it is. I have base in uh, Odense, Denmark. Okay, so, and that's where you've grown up, so born and bred? Uh, yeah, well, not in Odense. It's kind of a, it's one island and I'm from uh, Copenhagen. Uh, ah, okay. The capital, so, uh, that's, yeah. That, that I know, that's good. That part I do know. Um, yeah. Now, Daniel, you are really quite young. I mean, I know you probably don't think so, but for me, um, 24 years of age and already doing so well over the longer distances, um, how long have you actually been in the sport of triathlon for? Um, well, since, I guess, 2015, not quite sure, but uh, around around that time, um, I was a competitive swimmer before. And then, um, yeah, I, uh, I broke my arm um, and that kind of, made running and cycling a, a, a part of my uh, my rehab yeah, yeah. and I just uh, I found suddenly you could actually enjoy training uh, and being outside <laughs> and you know uh, riding with your friends and stuff instead of just staring at the black line, black um, line. yeah so ah. so that that was kind of my introduction so so you obviously started uh, swimming as a as a junior as a, as a child yeah yeah like uh when I could walk, kind wow, of. Wow, <laughs> wow! And so, and and obviously, showed a lot of talent from a very young age, and took swimming very uh, seriously. So, professional swimmer. Um. Yeah, it was it, definitely competitive swimmer. Um, but I was pretty fortunate to uh, to be a part of a group with a lot of strong guys, and we had a very, uh, I would call it hardcore training environment. Um. So, uh, yeah, I got pretty serious uh, pretty early. Um, yeah, I had a good coach and uh, we just uh, had a lot of fun. And, uh, yeah, that was, that was good to me. And, and what sort of distance did you compete over in swim, when you were swimming? Um, well, it kind of depended. You know, I, I, was, uh, I was just outside of uh, the national team. So that made the other guys... Um, on the team, kind of the the big shots, I would yep. call it. Um, yep. We had a huge amount amount of talent, so I was always in the shadow. Um, and we were competing at the relays, uh, so I was I was kind of always uh, the guy who had to swim breaststroke, or, <laughs> although I was terrible at it. Um, but, but we won some national titles and stuff, so so that was kind of my. Uh, my calling, uh, but I always liked um, I al- always liked like lo- longer distances, uh, two hundred yep. fly, f- four IM, and uh, you know fifteen hundred meter freestyle. Um, but it was actually kind of fun because I was always uh, I I've always loved to you know train hard and um, the process and in, in training. Um, yeah. But at that point, I never really liked competitions. Um, so, so that was kind of a, a big thing. I, I have been improving the last, I would say, 
four years since I started triathlon. Actually, that's a really interesting point because obviously, uh, you know, I I raced for many years before I then work. Now I work obviously on the other side of triathlon, and I do see it all the time. Um, obviously with a lot of age groupers where I live here in Noosa, but also with the professional athletes where they train the house down and they are phenomenal. I, I always say they are professional trainers. However, they mm. haven't quite learnt how to race. And there is, you, you're dead, right? There is absolutely a knack to doing that, to be able yeah, to do it's that. Yeah, it's a huge difference. Mm. And um, that's, you know, I was kind of a world champion in uh, in training for a couple of years. Um, but and you know it's it's awesome because you get this confidence boost to, uh, almost all the time um, in training. But but it's just you just get punched in the face when you when, when you, you go it. competing. Um, yeah. And when you then get kind of uh, into the uh, you know I was a part of the Olympic um, uh, group in in Denmark and and that was at a period of time where I couldn't. You know, I was doing very well in training sessions, uh, obviously, and just slaughtering myself. Yeah. But when I, when it came race day, I I couldn't do anything. Um, and that's that's kind of a big hit hit to the face. Um, yeah, absolutely. So that so that's definitely something um, I've been working on uh, the last the last years. Yeah, that's that's fascinating. And and working on that, I mean, obviously. You do that by racing more and just and and learning how to overcome certain issues on race day. But have you been doing anything else off the race course? So do you actually uh, try any sort of visualization, or have you been seeing someone to try and go through that actual process of racing? Well, actually, it for for me it, it helped not racing that much. You know, yep. uh, going yep. long distance, and now we kind of fast forward pretty quickly, I guess. But it's a it's a very you know, uh, a very uh, hot topic, uh, mm. I would say. Um, so for me, it was, I started working with, uh, back then, the national coach, Casper Geil. Oh, yeah. Uh, and he definitely have been a huge part of me um, performing of, on race day. Um, so when we started, I ob obviously was uh, a bit younger and uh, kind of... Uh, I would call it uh, uh, kind of an alpha-seeking uh, uh, young guy, um, yeah. and I think it comes with the the fact that always searching for improve, uh, not improvement, but confirmation in training. Um, yeah. That's um, yeah. That's kind of then then I felt like I was kind of empty when I when I. Uh, it was at the at the start line at races. Wow. Um, so what we did was um, kind of take a couple of steps back, uh, starting uh, starting a um, collaboration with the Team Denmark's uh, uh, what's it called mental coach. Yep. So um, yep, sports psychology type coaching. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and just you know, kind of starting from uh, scratch with me, um, building up my values and, you know, all this huge process uh, oh, yeah. taking a, a couple of years. Yeah. Also for me to understand and stuff, because, you know, you can teach people something, but if they're not ready to kind of uh, hear what what the, uh, the actual said. meaning behind mm -hmm. it is, then it, yeah. it can be... Uh, pretty difficult um so it has been kind of me learning to uh, trust myself uh, definitely also trust Kyle uh, my coach um and it sounds kind of weird but uh back then traveling was the only thing um in my life uh, and in my head but now it's of course it's the only thing uh, thing in my life, life uh, kind of, because I train that much, and you know, you do uh, everything, everything to prepare for the next session and stuff. So it's it is kind of a life, but mentally, I've 
gotten a, a, another perspective on training and on, on triathlon. So um, it's kind of being more relaxed, both in training uh, and all, also at races. Yeah. Um, and that have made, has mature, made sure that when the gun goes, I'm there. Yeah, absolutely. And then I'm so, there to compete. And um, you, so you have much more balance now, I suppose, with with both the training, exactly. the racing, and and everyday life as well. And and Daniel, you've got to remember, and I know it's my maybe it sounds easy coming from me because I'm you know a, a lot older than you, but you're still very young, particularly particularly as I said in long distance triathlon. And I think a lot of people, a lot of uh, athletes out there, just think it's a given that if you are an exceptionally talented athlete like yourself uh, and that you are always wanting the best out of yourself in training, that you are naturally going to be a phenomenal competitor. But it doesn't always come easily. It's not always a second nature like you've just said. And I find it fascinating that, that someone like yourself who obviously is very talented, you come from a competitive background in swimming um, and you are obviously very good and you're a great trainer as you said, but you struggled with the actual racing side of things. Um, and I think for a lot of our listeners out, out there, they wouldn't have realised that this was even an issue. So I think you bring up some – no, but I think you bring up some really valid points. It's not a given that every single person that stands on a, on a, on a start line in any sport is a natural, uh, is a natural competitor. Um, and sometimes True. it just takes a little bit of work. Like you said, you've, you've been working on this for a few years and – Obviously, you've overcome it because I know uh, last year you had a you had a breakthrough breakthrough season in uh, in your long course racing. But before we get to that, did you start? Obviously, you said you broke your arm when you were a swimmer, which forced you into doing some running and riding as part of your rehab, uh, which is a bonus for us in triathlon because we now have you. Um, but uh, but did you get into short course first of all or, or did you move did you move into the half distance racing straight away or were you in the um so for example were you olympic distance athlete before you became a, a, a middle distance and long distance athlete uh yeah i got the uh, right into the the talent program in danish triathlon ah, federation okay uh, of course and that was kind of a etu U- european cups european yep. junior uh, cups and stuff um i've never done an olympic distance but um yeah i was kind of uh, in the mix on uh, short course so sprint um, distance sprint exactly yeah, yeah. okay uh, and did you find you were always you obviously the swimming was not an issue for you because i mean we look at long distance swimmers in triathlon as compared to the short course the olympic distance athletes and it's a huge difference in swim ability um i'm assuming that when you did sprint distance the swim was still a no-brainer for you i'm sure you still got out right in front actually, Actually not. Um, I, I had once, I, I think I only had one swim, uh, one competition where the swim was at my level, I would oh. call it. Um, and that was at the European Champs in Dusseldorf. I came out just behind Vincent Louis in second. Okay, okay. Um, oh, that's interesting. So, so that was when I finally kind of cracked the, the swim code uh in my brain i guess um <laughs> and that's that, that of course that also comes back to learning how to race and yeah, trust yourself of and of course uh, doing all that stuff but actually i was um yeah i i the reason i i started long longer distance was um i i struggled a lot with with uh, asthma ah okay uh, yep you know it just blocked every time i i kind of got on the bike and uh, yeah, so I had one year without any results. I think I only finished like two races, and that that was uh, yeah. We we kind of started training another another way, um, yeah. and kind of yeah, going that uh, way around it, um, and that have uh, on some hour made a difference. Yeah, and, and did you find when you moved from that shorter, more explosive, I mean, obviously when you're doing sprint distance, it, you are, as soon as that gun goes off, you're you're at 100% for the entire time, whereas I'm assuming now that you do middle distance and long distance, um, you know, you can you can back it off a bit and that would be, I'm assuming, better for your asthma as well. So it would make it a lot easier to keep it under control. Yeah, I, I have not done a sprint distance since. since? Um, <laughs> um, yeah, so... I, I 
actually I'm may maybe gonna do another sprint distance like in the uh, start of 2021 um oh, wow. just to see just to see where things are at um because we haven't kind of triggered the the asthma in in certain situa- situations where it happened before right. i think that some some part of it is uh, is mental uh yeah, you know, absolutely. Some form of anxiety. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But, but for sure, it uh, it's another way to to race, obviously, and it, it requires uh, a whole other skill set than uh, than sprint distance. So it's it's kind of two different sports, uh, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, I I don't, I don't know if uh, if, uh, if if it would still happen. But um, yeah, for sure, it, you can kind of. Uh, it's not. It's not that uh, high. You know, um, lact, lactate kind lactate of level, stuff yeah. all the yeah. time. Um, so, so definitely another stress to the body. Uh, yeah. But it's. I would. I would say it's. Uh, it's far worse uh, racing the seventy point three than. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. else when it comes well, to pain. Uh, so. Oh, especially these days when it just seems to be getting faster and faster. I mean, back in my day, uh, the half distance was raced the same as what you got, you guys are racing the full distance over. So it's it's incredible to see <laughs> how fast it yeah. is now. So now, now listen, it's, Daniel. It's actually funny because uh, my coach, he said like after uh, I, I raced in Talon this year. Yes, yeah. Uh, and after Talon, he looked at my numbers and he was like, it's, it's crazy how – you, you constantly uh, have uh, me to look at, you know, um, re-evaluating what's, you know, what's possible. What's the right, what are the right numbers for this particular distance? I, I mean, everyone's yeah. doing it all the time. It's it's insane. Yeah. Uh, and it's, talking about yeah. your recent win in, um, in 70.3 Talon um, in Estonia, which was firstly wonderful that we um, had some racing back this year. You know, there's been obviously a lack of racing. Um and of course, you won it. You had an incredible race, and I'm sure for every single person lining up that day, there was a massive unknown over everyone because everyone's had different um, training methods because of pools being closed, because you know you can't go outdoors, um, because there have been no races. So I'm sure every single athlete on that start line was questioning what sort of shape they're in. But obviously, you'd been doing all the right things because your race was really it was fantastic and you know you beat some big names like Sebi Kinlay so firstly I just want to ask you what was it like being on that start line again did you did you actually like the week leading into it did you think uh maybe it won't even happen maybe it'll get cancelled like every other race keeps getting cancelled did you did you actually have some doubt and it must have been a quite a surreal feeling standing on that start line knowing we are really going to race today well, it's funny you say that because, like, uh, two weeks before the race, I was, I was doubting myself like massively. Um, yeah. yeah. So, um, I was not even sure I was I was gonna start because I I kind of I you know, you know I I made the usual mistake of like I enjoy training and I yes. train uh, a lot. <laughs> uh, yeah. And uh, I just buried myself in training, um, so I was not hitting like the, the right numbers, and that made kind of a stress in in my head. That just you know the thought that four weeks prior I was running like crazy. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Everything just came kind of together, and then we came closer to, to racing and a race actually happening. Um, and then, uh, I just couldn't do anything and that made a huge stress in my, in my head. So that's kind of a, that's also kudos to, to my coach to just, you know, a huge part of, tr- of racing is actually getting to the, to the start, to the start line. line. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I was kind of, uh, I would, Maybe maybe you can call it kind of na- naive to. Yep. Uh, I believe every second that uh, the race was going to happen because uh, otherwise, uh, you know, I had to prepare and I was. I agree. I had to be sure yeah. to race, so I I chose just to be absolute certain. Um, 
but you know the head coach, uh, the national, the national coach was uh, doubting it, and uh, you know everybody was asking questions, and I was just like, it, it, it will happen, and I, I will fly to Estonia. And, you know, <laughs> I love that to, attitude. It's the only attitude yeah, to have, uh, honestly. Yeah, exactly, and I just had to do that uh, mentally for my own personal sake. Um, but you know, just first of all. Um, the guys in Estonia made a in Tallinn made a wonderful race and was just it was so uh, so friendly and welcoming and it was it was very very nice to be there um, and it's funny because you know obviously there's some uh, some stuff stuff happening with due to the corona situation that yeah. that's not kind of the usual uh, racing um uh, lead up but as soon as we were at the start line you know everything all, is like all it's all, it always yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah, perfect yeah. and that was that was awesome to feel that uh, even though it's a strange situation then it's it's just just as normal uh, yeah. yeah so uh, so it was just it was it was great but obviously when you see uh, as as you said uh, Kinle and uh, <laughs> And Dreitz lining up at the yep. start line, you're like, oh, it's not going to be <laughs> <Crap. today." laughs> It's always the Germans. They're everywhere. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's always like 10 Germans. And <laughs> they're always coming at you. So, uh, yeah. yeah. Oh, it was great. And obviously everything, once the gun went off, you know, you obviously went into race mode, which we spoke about, you know, and and obviously everything clicked on the day. So, Obviously, all those negative thoughts about you were being a little bit overdone on the race on the start line, you know, were your coach obviously got you in really good shape, tapered you just the right amount um, so yeah. that you were able to pull off a really, really strong race. Yeah, it was, uh, he did a very, very good job to, uh, it was not, you know, it was, it was mostly, uh, um, I, I think physically I, I was there. It was just mentally I had to be, uh, be ready and yeah, be, yeah. and confident. He, he did that and yeah. yeah, and confident too. And uh, yeah, well, you know, you know it yourself that when when you when the gun goes, then everything becomes kind of a task. Um, exactly. And you just have to, yeah, to do to do it. And yeah, uh, yeah. No, I, just, I, I totally agree. Off. You know, as a professional athlete, I think when you are when you know when you've become a a, a true professional athlete because. You can be nervous and you can have butterflies and, and all sorts of things before that gun goes off, and I think that's completely normal. But I think yeah. once the gun goes off, you have a job to do, and as a professional athlete, you are going to do, do your job on that day to the absolute best of your ability. Yeah, and yeah, and trust trust the mission you're on and yep. just, yeah. Totally agree. Now, I'm going to bring it up, and I, I, I spoke to you before to make sure it was okay. Obviously... You had a breakthrough year last year, uh, winning your first, I think that was your first 70.3 distance win and also, also, of course, your first Ironman win. I know you've been doing, I looked back a bit further and I know you did a stack of challenge events in, I think, 2017 and 2018, mm -hmm. but mainly yeah. half distance. And you, I mean, yeah. you, you still were way up there. Most of the results I looked at, you were either top five, top six, podium, um, so top three. But last year looked to be like a, a breakout year for you as, as far as a professional athlete goes in longer distance racing um, with your first 70.3 win and then your big win in Ironman Austria. Um, now, I, I, re I do recall when you won Ironman Austria last year, there was a big kerfuffle, that's the word we use here in, in, in Australia, um, a big kerfuffle about the way that you're, you finished. Um, and so I remember going back and having a look at the finish and thinking, well, no, this is just a young 23-year-old who has just won their very first Ironman distance race and is so over the moon um, that, of course, you're going to – I mean, I don't even think you're in control of what you do at that particular point in time because it's just any, anyone that's had a dream for that long um, and to finally realise that you, you've, you've ticked that box – um, what was going through your mind? Were you just that you were that elated uh, with your first win? Well, it's obviously uh, a lot of people uh, kind of <sighs> uh, yeah ask me about it and also um, making their own minds on of what, course, uh, yes, what yes. It was. Um, 
and you know when it's it's all you know leading back to to my swimming days where i was not really uh you know i wasn't the best and uh, i wasn't i've never really been proud of myself uh, actually for what Mm -hmm. i've achieved um i've always been very hard on myself um you know judging myself way harder than you know yeah every anybody else would do and yep. i still I, I still do it <laughs> um and that's you know that was the first time when i you know when i hit um the red carpet and yep. that you kind of wake up from your your race uh exactly then, yep then you, you i i realized what i what i did uh i saw you know, I, I saw um, I raced for the for the PVAC team at at that at point, the time, and that's uh, right. yep. at, and I saw people uh, from from PVAC on on the sideline, and they were they were so happy. Uh, and you know, for the first time, I I realized I had done something uh, I could be proud of myself. Yeah, um, and that was. That was the feeling, you know. You you see all these, uh, all these years with with no uh, no results and only disappointments, and you uh, you know nobody knows what uh, what have happened before in Beforehand. my life. Exactly, uh, exactly. Uh, and uh, yeah, that was just what came out, and uh, yeah, that's that's how it is. Well, I, for one, I, I sat here and I showed my husband. I said, look at everyone getting all upset about this finish. And I said to my husband, <laughs> yeah. I, don't, I really don't understand it. I said, all I see is, is a young boy that's fulfilling his dreams. And, and I said, I get, I want to cry because I think to watch the sheer exhilaration in your face and to see you obviously achieve, and now that I actually know your background, it's even more impressive, um, but to see you achieve something at such a young age all I, all I could see was you and it gave me goosebumps. So I thought it was amazing. And, uh, and I know obviously there was a little bit of, as we said, controversy, but you shouldn't be ashamed of that finish at all. It was unbelievable. I still think it's unbelievable. Um, and as a female watching that finish, um, the only thing I was shitty about was I can't stand the fact that they have dancing women and finish line women at a finish at a finish line in this day and age anyway, Daniel. It's insane. No, so no, I mean, yeah. come on. Uh, yeah. but that's that's a whole that's a that's a whole different topic of, of argument. We're <laughs> concentrating yeah. on you now. Um, so <laughs> I thought it was quite incredible, and and I think um, since then I think that was probably a pivotal time in your career where you truly realise that you have what it takes to be the very best in your sport. Um, and to be an absolute champion, and and then you've you've obviously sealed that deal again. You know you've you've had s- uh, quite a few great races since then um, over in the Middle East, and also obviously with your recent win um, in Estonia a few weeks ago. So, so I think you know for some people, I think when they look back in their careers and they look at that turning point, um, that one special win that just solidifies that they are on the right path and doing the right thing. I think you would go back and you would say, yep. That is the race that, that proved to me that yeah. I had what it takes. True. And that's, yeah, you're so right. Um, you know, afterwards, uh, actually, you said it was my breakthrough year uh, last year. And, um, you know, it, it looks like that on, on the paper. But yep. but I also made uh, so many mistakes last yep, year. Yep. Of course. Because um, yep, I course. obviously I, I had a certain level uh, of fitness and I was uh, I was going strong. But. I also had like I had two crashes in racing, and oh. I had uh, you know in um, I had a mechanical in uh, when I raced Kona. Yeah, um, yep. And I, I was just up there in the mix, and then you know I hit a pothole and cracked my my handlebars cracked. Mm. Um, so I also kind of it was a learning process because I I. You know, I I don't look back at 2000 2019 and say like it was a perfect year. I got I got you know exactly no, I got no. what I wanted, but 
definitely the the Klagenfurt and also the Lazzi uh, race the week before where I also I also won. Well, then yep. That that kind of made you know um, made room for a lot of self confidence that. I can perform on race day and also, you know, the, the picture of or the belief of what it takes to perform on race day. Yeah. Exactly. So definitely that was that was the uh, the most important race. I've. Yeah. Now I, I, I kind of see everything in another perspective and um, yeah, you know, also the kind of the the security that it, it gives that that you. I can be there on race day and race I can day, do yeah. what it takes on race day. Um, to be at the front, yeah. Exactly. Um, so that's definitely the the, the most uh, kind of the turning point in, in my, my career. Now, you just mentioned that yeah, things obviously didn't go your way in Kona with um, broken handlebars. Um, mm. And then, of course, we come, come January, February, uh, we get a few races over this side of the world because obviously January, February over your side of the world in Europe, it's it's winter and you're, you guys are all having your uh, off season. But over here, we got a few races in. Uh, we got Challenge Wanaka in New Zealand in uh, in February and then we got Ironman New Zealand in uh, in March. But then, of course, all hell broke loose and COVID hit us all. So how was that to deal with? Because going back to the mental side of things, obviously your last race in Kona wasn't what you wanted. It wasn't what you trained for and it wasn't what you thought would happen but often what we do then is we think oh well oh, let's just look towards the next race and we'll rectify things but you you didn't get that opportunity um until oh, only a actually, few weeks ago oh you did did oh, you go no, i uh, i raced in uh, bahrain in december oh, bahrain. of course that was in december yeah over yeah. half yeah over half distance but you haven't been yeah, able exactly. to do a full distance race since kona no 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 but you were lucky. That was you. You're lucky you got that one in December. I forgot that you were. Yeah, you definitely. Because yeah, because otherwise, race. for me mentally, also yes. that I could perform. But mentally, it was so important going into yep. Corona. No, I agree. Because uh, uh, I was so mad after uh, after Kona, and you know, it was it was happening, and you know, going back to the uh, the thing that. About go, you know, doing the right things at the right time in time, yep. in race situations. Um, so kind of, you know, always playing the scene um, again with how it happened and everything. What I would have have uh, done different and you know all that stuff. So I was I was so happy to to go to Bahrain and kind of get the uh, get a little bit calm to going into uh, off season and uh yeah starting to build point. up to hopefully a new a new season uh yeah. which didn't really happen didn't really as, happen as planned, obviously. <laughs> a, little, a little bit you've got a taste you've got a taste yeah exactly. exactly um yeah so obviously uh how has it been for you just just talk me through personally how it's been for you obviously when everything started to shut down around march april um, and then when it actually finally hit uh, you that races were not going to be happening, that you weren't going to have the European season, I think this is the first time in 15 years straight that I haven't travelled to Europe um, to work at the European races, yeah. which is crazy for me. So it was yeah, – I, I, I don't even race anymore, but I went. I definitely went through a period of depression in June, July when I would normally be in Europe um, working at Challenge Roth, obviously I, I also go into, in September to Challenge Almir. We had the we had the championship and also the Collins Cup at Samarin planned. So I had th three trips to Europe planned this year that I was so excited for getting to work with yeah. all of you guys, um, and it didn't happen. But I I can't even imagine or even begin to fathom what it felt like for you as an athlete because you're not getting to do what you do best. Um. I I'm maybe have to disappoint you there because uh, <laughs> actually I I wasn't really uh, I wasn't re really feeling it that much. Um, okay. Because yeah. obviously I was in in Gran Canaria when health broke loose. Yeah. And, okay. Uh, good. You know, That's a good Spain, place to be. Yeah. yeah. But still, Spain was was kind of a you know red zone. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I just had to fly home immediately and. 
you know, uh, everything got canceled, all flights got canceled and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I was the the most stressed I've been was uh, yeah. the first couple of days uh, because I I wasn't sure if I could go home, and I heard that you know I I couldn't leave the apartment and mm-hmm. everything. So when I finally got home to Denmark and kind of you know uh, getting an uh, an overview of what was happening. Um, then we could kind of assess the situation, situation and yeah. make a plan. The uh, make a plan out, uh, you know, afterwards. Um, and then we just, you know, I uh, I started 2020 uh, with an injury in the hip, um, so I couldn't run for the first couple of months. Uh, okay. And yeah, so so that you know. For me, it just meant more time to get back into shape and, you know, doing the right things. And uh, taking not, your time. Yeah, taking your time, doing it properly. Yeah. And, and just uh, getting a solid foundation going. Um, yep. And then we, it's it's strange because you just get into this kind of rhythm um, yep. where yep. one week just take takes the other. Yep, I and know. I agree. Obviously, we had Corona, so I couldn't attend to any, uh, you know, social, uh, you know, meetings or family uh, dinners or anything. Um, you know, I, I couldn't really see anybody. But but uh, I co- I have I have two friends. We were we were kind of a bubble together, uh, mm-hmm. and decided that we would be uh, we would not see anybody else, but just not just stay together. And uh, and these are training friends that, that you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. yeah. Uh, team. Oh, perfect. Uh, so so that was for us. It was kind of the perfect situation yeah. in a bad situation. Absolutely. Um, yeah. 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 And um, yeah, so so we just you know we went out and just did what what we had had to do and had fun you know doing stuff we couldn't do normally and just you know looking at things on the bright side that obviously i'm i'm only 24 so it's only it's exactly. in it's You're in young. five or, or ten years i would i would i would be very good hopefully and and this is just one way to ensure that the next couple of years i will you know, be on my on my top game. So so we just looked at it like, um, you know, it's a it's a period of time we have to get through, and we just through. have to do it as 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 strong as possible. Um, so we we just try to have fun while uh, while doing it. And actually, I think we uh, it's not to like sound cocky or anything, but I think we got through co- the Corona time. Uh, like not placing a foot wrong. No, actually. I, uh, I agree with you. I mean, just listening to you and, and your attitude, Daniel, for a 24 year old, um, if you hadn't have told me your age, you've got, you've got the head of head of a 50 year old. I mean, you're wise, you are <laughs> far wiser than your 24 years on this earth. Um, and I think a lot of athletes, uh, not just age group athletes, but pro athletes out there should listen to this um, because you had exactly the right attitude that was needed. I mean, um, mm. You know, you, you concentrate on what you can do and not on what you can't do, um, and you yeah. and it's often about thinking outside of the box that you're in. Um, so mentally, it looks like one one thing that really uh, I, I really you know uh, realized was that it's 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 all about perspective. Absolutely, um, yeah. Because yeah. you know we could we could sit there and and see the uh, on the internet or at the news uh, on the TV uh, that. You know, people were obviously people were uh, were t- dying of Corona, yeah, uh, yeah. which is terrible, and you know, people losing their jobs and people, you know, all this uh, people who suffered during Corona, and yeah. actually, we we didn't really have anything to worry about no, or no, that's right, anything happening to us. So, so you know, I've had my little brother uh, got diagnosed with cancer, and my you know, other little brother have have also suffered uh, from stuff that's far worse than things I would I will ever you know Imagine, experience. Experience um, yourself, yeah, yeah. So you know, I I have nothing to to complain about, and 
yeah, you know, it's yeah. it's totally. only not racing. It life goes on. So uh, it's just to yeah to see things at the right perspective. Um, uh, totally I totally agree. I totally agree. So you know, obviously, mentally, you've you've handled this entire period of time exceptionally well. Um, but what about financially? Obviously, talking to a lot of the pro athletes, particularly here in Noosa, where I'm based, um, I did a. Obviously, I was um, doing some social media for WitsUp.com, which is a women's um, site. And Amelia Watkinson, who just won Ironman New Zealand, and of course it was amazing. Ironman Cairns, excuse me, and it was an amazing race. But she's been, you know, her along with a lot of other pro athletes have been struggling a little bit um, just because sponsors, obviously, they're struggling, so they haven't been able to pay their normal retainers. And so a lot of these pro athletes have had to take on part-time jobs just to survive. But financially for yourself, I know you've got some great sponsors behind you, um, and I know that because you always give them a great plug on on. Instagram on your social media, which is awesome. Um, mm-hmm. So have you been okay financially? Because, I mean, obviously for a lot of pro athletes, racing is still the, the way that they make a good chunk of their income. If you cannot race and make prize money, um, then you're not making, you're not, you know, you're not making money to survive. But in a time where you just said, you know, a lot of businesses are struggling and, and a lot of sponsors are struggling, have you had any issues financially or have you been okay? I've been, uh, you know, I've been okay. Um, yeah. It's we are obviously we had PTO going in and, yeah, uh, and they've been amazing. Yeah, exactly. That's been amazing. That's really, really, yeah, really amazing. We say it's they, um, they've, what they've done. So yeah, um, I agree. So that was a, a big part of it. Um, but also, as you said, I, I have a lot of great sponsors, and obviously they. Uh, they also know how how I feel and how I make my money. Um, and yeah. obviously, it's still yeah. it's still racing. I I uh, I make make the most money. So when I hit talent, I had uh, like a uh, hundred euros on my account. Uh, oh, I had nothing left. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it was it was a pretty good good. Uh, a good motivation. To, uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, oh. But but also then I I had nothing to worry about uh, yeah. really, um, yeah. and that was. You know, obviously that's also a part of kind of trusting the process and tr- yeah. trusting you know yeah. that that I didn't I wasn't broke uh, yeah. until until the end. Um, so so yeah, I've been I've been very very lucky to have a lot of partners who who believes in me and also who were ready to to help me along the way. Yeah, and and look, Daniel, I. Sometimes people say, oh, Belinda, you can't talk about financial issues or situations with athletes. But I think it's really important to Daniel because after talking to Amelia um, the other weekend and she was a little bit embarrassed about her predicament, I'm like, well, don't be embarrassed because at the end of the day, you still won. You came out and you won Ironman Cairns just like you came out and you won 70.3 Talon and you go as rows above all the struggles that you've had to get there and you've won this race. And I think it's important for the world to know that it's, so difficult for professional athletes right now it, it really yeah. is you know and I, um, it's also uh, funny because it's all it's not only right now it's it's like when you're just about to make it yeah I, I remember leading up to uh, 70.3 lazi last year i had like uh i had two no one and a half month months where i was kind of living on oatmeal yeah uh, oh no because i had nothing nothing left to you know uh, i had no money left so i i had to eat what i c- could afford yeah, um, yeah. And that's a lot of people and a, a lot of athletes lives lives like that because we just want to make it so much that you know all the money goes into racing and yeah. uh, the equipment and everything so it's obviously it is a problem in in triathlon that it's not it's not big enough to pro- you know Unless you're Jan Fodino or uh, exactly. one of yeah. the big hitters, then yeah. it's yeah. very, very difficult to uh, to make it make the the wheels spinning. Um, but yeah, I guess but that's I also part of the scam. You, it you, is. you keep get, being hungry for for it, results. And stuff. Exactly what I was just about to say because I. I just look in the eyes of an athlete that's racing, um, and the difference that you see between an athlete where you know 
it's not, I don't like to use the word win at all costs, but that they will do everything possible to get across that finish line in first place because they are so hungry and they know that that first place prize money will mean so much. Um, but it's, I love watching it because it's, it gives me goosebumps because you can just see that they are going to give it absolutely everything on race day, which is just what you did in Talon. And it's just what Amelia did the other weekend in Cairns. And it's, it's unbelievable to watch. I I get really excited watching it because it's, and when I, and when I was an athlete all those years ago and I was relying solely on prize money, I was the same. And I found that's when I often got my best results. It was when I had the, all the sponsors and I was sitting pretty, I, I honestly, looking back now, I lost a little bit of that, just a little bit of that hunger because you'd be in second or third and you'd think, is it really worth the fight? Because, you know, I'm, I don't absolutely have to win. But so I don't know. It was just a little different. I, I preferred it when I actually really, really needed to win a race. Um, <laughs> that I, I, I got the most out of myself. But it is funny because actually a lot of my sponsors are still like, uh, bonus oriented it so yes yes so it's still uh, that that carrot's still there exactly and i (laughs) i love i love the feeling that that people will you know reward me if i do well Um, and i like to prove prove myself uh before uh, you know before the the money or the equipment comes in and uh, i think that's that's a nice way to to race but i agree with you with the i think it's it's a fine line between your uh, of course you you have bills to pay and yeah and rent and stuff so uh obviously you need some money but uh yeah it's a it's a fine line of uh of maintaining that uh, eye of the tiger uh, yeah absolutely i i totally agree now talking we just spoke briefly about the PTO, the Professional Triathlete Organisation, and they have been amazing this year. Um, I know Challenge Family are working very closely with them because I know they they love what they're doing and agree with everything they're doing in helping the professional athletes make it through. Uh, and there's a lot of races that are happening all around the world right now that the PTO are helping support. And now one of those races at the end of this year, um, which is actually their own race, is the uh, PTO Championship event in uh, Challenge Daytona which yeah. is in December, and I know that you have already automatically qualified because you are ranked 22nd on the PTO ranking, I do believe. So, And you are yeah. the highest-ranked Dane um, out of the males or females. I think the next, the next highest would be um, Marja Stag-Nielsen at 35. Um, so mm. that's pretty awesome in itself to be ranked 22. I mean, there's some phenomenal athletes. Um, yeah, phenomenal athletes. Now, you are, you are planning on going to that race in December? Obviously, I, uh, you know, just the the race course, the the fact that that all the greatest athletes will be there, and yeah. you know everything about the event just uh, it, it turns me on. I think yeah. it's it's so awesome to to have an event like that. It's um, obviously they have spent a lot of money making professional athletes get by and. Um, it's not about us only paying back attending to uh, to the event, but also I think it's it's a great way to to make you know get uh, athletes, professional athletes, their own voices and yeah. kind of you know uh, it, it's a great showcase for for our sport and for professional athletes. So I, I think it's you have to uh, to turn up. It's uh, the only world championships we will have. Uh, this year and hopefully it will also be a world championship uh, caliber event the, the coming years because I think it's it's a very it's an exciting way to to race and also you know put a put a race uh, up on a on a race course like Daytona. It's uh, yeah yeah I I really look forward to it and get, getting to to race shape uh, again. So uh, I think it's you have to attend it's uh it's a no-brainer yeah i look i agree and obviously with a one million dollar prize purse it's um yeah phenomenal prize purse paying and what i love about paying (laughs) sounds good i know and paying really deep you know paying at least the top 20 or 30 30 athletes so um again a great incentive for all all the best athletes to go now i was in daytona last year and obviously watched the race unfold and that's when we had the, the pro race under lights and 
saw an insane race between Lionel Sanders and Pablo de Pina, um, which was, uh, I mean, I don't think any of us had really prepared for it to come down to that. So it was unbelievable. And then obviously the same with Lucy Charles Barclay and um, Paula Finlay, just having those two go head to head for so long. But again, you're right. I, I've seen NASCAR on, I'd seen NASCAR on TV before, but I'd never actually been on the track and it's, it's huge it's so much bigger than I could have ever anticipated it almost takes your breath away um so the distance obviously I love the concept all the age group athletes will be racing on the Saturday and on the Mm -hmm. Sunday morning it is purely just the professional athletes which I love I I think they should be separated so the uh, pro athletes have their own race day the age group athletes have their own race day uh they get to then come back and watch you guys do what you do best uh everything inside the 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 Daytona Speedway um, and it's going to be quite interesting because obviously if you've never been to a NASCAR track before, the track itself is really, it's quite steep. It's a lot more banked than I'd given it credit. Um, yeah. when you actually go, so is that going to be an interesting thing as far as the bike goes? I know last year there were quite a few athletes that actually used the banks to their advantage and it was really, it was almost like seeing a track race to be honest. Um, so is that something you've thought about tactic rise? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I'm I'm heading to the track also a couple of times uh, a week. Ah, next, good boy, smart yeah, the boy. next months just yeah, to, yeah. to prepare for maybe uh, using it as an advantage. Because yeah. um, it's also about, you know, learning, as you said, tactics and, and how to approach uh, a track like that. Um, yeah. And I heard from one of the other Danes, uh, Magnus, um, Magnus, uh, yep. Magnus, yeah, that yep. um, it it was that steep, so you have to prepare for it. It's just like all all the stuff you have to prepare for leading into a race. Um, so it will be uh, it will be awesome to to get on the racetrack and also an iconic racetrack like that. It's uh, you know it's Pretty a huge cool. huge experience, I, I guess. And look, I've been working with obviously Challenge Day Turner team and closely with the PTO, and I know that they are they they're working everything up for the pro athletes to a T. So it really is going to be something special. And I'm actually heading, I'm definitely heading over to to work the event too. And just looking at the names that are going to that have have, have said given the green light that they're going, um, and I'm not going to say it yet because I know that the PTO want to announce it themselves, and it's pretty exciting. Yeah. But just I mean, obviously. Let's just talk about the Danish athletes, the male athletes. There's yourself. Um, obviously, you've got Christian Hugenhag, who's I, I believe has been given a roll down because he's very highly ranked as well. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, the top 40 were automatically uh, invite, oh, qualified and then any that don't go, it rolls down. Um, so I think you'll have a, a few Danish athletes. Um, Marja Stag-Nelson, of course, 35th, she automatically uh, qualifies for the event as well. So it's pretty cool that, you know, a small country like Denmark, and you've got you've got quite a few athletes that have qualified automatically qualified to go over and race. Yeah, it's. Uh, I, I would hope for for it to be uh, be more because uh, I guess we have at least two guys, uh, Miki Tokold Nelson, uh, Miki Tokold, yeah. and uh, and Magnus also. Magnus, um, yeah, yeah. Because we, you know. Um, yeah, I, I I think it would be uh, we race kind of the same way. Uh, yes, so yes, yeah. In, in that regards, it, it would be pretty awesome. Um, and also just the level in uh, in Danish middle distance triathlon have just very like, high skyrocketed yeah. uh, the oh, last two years. Totally agree. Um, so um, of course it would be awesome to share the experience with the uh, fellow Danes, uh, but. It's up to PTO to select those guys. Um, so uh, hopefully it will happen. Yeah, I have a sneaky suspicion there'll be a few more. Let's just yeah, let, let's just I leave it so. at that, Daniel. <laughs> yeah. <exactly. laughs> oh no, it's it's going to be an amazing an amazing event. Um, that's for sure. And have you actually looked ahead to 2021? Obviously, what a lot of people have done is they've said, okay, 2020 is what it is. We do what we can, like you said. You got some amazing training in. You've you've managed to get some great races in. You've got one big event left to go. Um, mm. Have you looked towards twenty twenty one with your coach? Have you sat down and said, "Okay, this is what we're going to do"? Because, um, and the reason I ask this, Daniel, is because normally you know you would 
you would end with a with Kona in October, and then you may do one or two more little smaller races, and then you know you in Europe you genuinely you gen genuinely um, generally take time off, and then you start again. Say I don't know May June. So, yeah. but you you don't really need that much time off now because you've you haven't really had a full season of racing. So, do things change or? Will you try and stick I, to the same sort of protocols? I, I've never really been a fan of, you know, the usual kind of um, Big wage time off. stuff. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, of course you need time off, but you have to do it the proper way. And I think yeah, the fact that actually we can go in a normal year, we can go race the year round. Uh, so that's also ma- makes kind of, a, you know, if I wanted to, I could go to Bahrain like, uh, last year and stuff yes, so yeah, so yeah. you can plan the the season just as you you want it to be um i i haven't really you know talked with with my coach about next year but w- we believe in kind of i'll race what race really turns me on and yeah. um obviously that's uh, championship races uh so yeah, I'll um, hopefully I'll I'll get a a Kona slot slot early in the year, um, and then uh, yeah, we have you know the European uh, middle distance and uh, yeah, let's see if 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 Roth, uh, calls, then it yeah. will be maybe will be difficult to turn uh, turn down. Turn that but, one down. Uh, it's yeah, a pretty incredible but, uh, event. And what about yeah, something absolutely. like the um, Collins Cup, the championship in Slovakia in Samarin? Yeah, definitely, definitely. I think it's a course that also suits me well. Suits so, you. Uh, yeah, I agree. And I think it's it's an awesome uh, initiative to to do uh, stuff like the Collins Cup. Um, yeah, yeah. Kind of trying to make uh, make triathlon more than just uh, the usual racing. Um, so uh, I think that will be very exciting. Yeah, I, I do too. I was. I must admit, I mean, obviously I completely understand why it wasn't able to go ahead in June this year, but I was so looking forward to it because I'd been to to Exbionicsphere where they hold the race and it is a phenomenal, phenomenal training centre. Uh, you ask any pro athlete that's that's raced there before and they'll tell you that it's just, it's insane. Uh, and so to have the Collins Cup come up with their, you know, with the idea of the Collins Cup and to have that, this it was going to be a whole new ball game again. So... I think that's probably one race that I'm actually looking forward to just as much as uh, as the PTO champs at Challenge Daytona this year. It's going to be pretty awesome. Yeah, definitely. And also just to, you know, get all the guys in the mix. Um, exactly, again, yeah. It's, yeah. it's not that, uh, you know, we have sports where the best of the best meets each other almost every week. And then yeah. we have triathlon where we have like the 70.3 uh the Kona, the uh, uh, Frankfurt or Roth or, yeah, you know, this, these certain races where, you know, a couple of big guys will, will turn up. But otherwise, we have we do not really have these races where we can see uh, the All best the going best. head to true. head. Um, Very true. So I think Collins Cup will be uh, a game changer uh, regarding uh, that um, it, it, definitely in, in, in Europe. And uh, hopefully, also, you know, people who are in lockdown all over the, the world will be able to to get into Europe at that point of, that uh, point of time. time. Yeah, I'm, I, I've, I've, um, I was always saying end of December we 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 we're starting again, but now I'm like, okay, as long as we've got it by next June, I'm happy. <laughs> so yeah, oh, exactly. it's crazy. Exactly. Um, look, now Daniel, before I let you go, obviously, 24 years of age. If you look at all the top athletes right now, so the Jan Fredinos, the Sebi Kinleys, Lionel Sanders, um, obviously Lucy Charles Barclay is a little bit of an anomaly because she is still very young for someone that's reached so much so far in her career. Um, but you are still incredibly young and there is no way you're anywhere near your potential yet. Um, is this something you're really excited about? Have you looked have you looked forward for, say, another five years, another 10 years? Because realistically, um, most of the, the long course athletes don't reach their peak till they're in their mid-30s. So you've got another 10 years up your sleeve. Is that something <laughs> yeah, that, that sounds that, pretty good? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then, yeah, is it pretty exciting? Because really, I mean, 
Uh, and the great thing about coming from a swimming background is you don't, you also don't have that wear and tear on your body that, say, a runner might have. Um, you know, swimming is it's it's probably the best the best of all three if you think about it as far as wear and tear on the body. So you know, you're in you're in pretty bloody good shape to to have a really long and illustrious career. Yeah, you know, obviously I look at at uh, especially uh, Kindley and yeah. uh, and Frodo and and you know. Uh, how they've done stuff um, and what they've achieved in a in a uh, you know I, I wouldn't call it like um, they're not old but no no in, mature mature, you know, later, they, mature. <laughs> they, later in their careers um, yeah and also I've you know I've obviously I've heard some podcasts and uh, and um, spoken to to Kinley, uh you know at races and stuff um and try to kind of learn what you know the uh the lessons they have learned learned through the, the years yeah um so so yeah of course i i've uh, i have big plans for the future but um as as both of them are, are telling then it's it's all about having fun uh, every day and kind of looking Enjoying at it every day uh, as a process to getting uh, into race shape and that's that's what i i focus on r- right now and you know just you know focus on the essentials and then um then i uh, hopefully good things will come in a couple of years so um yeah it's uh i have you know i've uh, when it comes to goals and the goal setting and all of that stuff Obviously, I, I, as uh, every other athlete, I have uh, Kona and 70.3 world champs. Um, but I also know that when it comes to those uh, titles, it's, it's more uh, being there on the day and a lot of things can happen. Uh, it's not always the best athlete who wins on, on race day, uh, a part of last year in Kona, uh, definitely. Yeah. Um, so it's more about, you know, enjoying the journey and enjoying every day as part of a, a bigger process. And that's a lesson I, uh, I struggle with time to time. Um, but that's also the beauty of it. So, um, yeah, I think if, if you do, if you do it like that, it's, uh, you know, good things will come. Um, oh totally agree with so, you uh, yeah. totally agree uh, and um listening to we'll someone like um in, uh, 10 or 15 years in uh, in kona and we can so have this yeah exactly yeah. And we can have this conversation again I, all right i'm gonna hold you to yeah. that i like it and you know talking speaking of someone like sebi kinley um obviously i was around way back when he started and and you are absolutely correct he's been through the same process that you are now talking about and i've from the outside, I've never seen him falter. And I'm sure he'll be able to tell you, well, that's not true. He's had his ups and downs. He's, had, he's been plagued yeah. with injury. Of course, no one's process is perfect. But mm-hmm. this, is a, this is a man that said as a primary school kid that when he grew up, he wanted to be a professional athlete. Um, and I'm sure he got laughed at when he was young and put this up on it. They had a, a special class when they were talking about it what they wanted to do with their lives, what career they wanted. And he said he wanted to be a professional athlete. So to see him actually fulfill that dream um, and not just become a professional athlete, but become one of the best professional athletes in long course that we have ever seen. And yeah. he still loves it to this day. So you, you, you couldn't ask, you couldn't ask for a better mentor there. So yeah, I have, uh, Steffi's like, uh, he's top shelf for me as far as, as pro athletes and the process goes. So he's a good one to follow. And also, <laughs> also just as a, as a person. Uh, Absolutely. I think- yeah. He was, uh, first of all, he was kind of one of the first people, or he was the reason I got into triathlon. Um, in the first because place? I saw, yeah, because I That's saw cool. 70.3 in Las Vegas, where he just yeah. made that, you know, huge uh, attack on the bike. And I was like, how on earth is, is that possible? <laughs> you know, <he laughs> How did he do that? Yeah. Um, and then I, I met him, I raced him a couple of times in 2018 in the challenge, um, what's it called in Finland? Um, challenge Turkey. Yeah, Turkey, yep. exactly. Yep. And also in Challenge Valsi. Ah, uh, you're in, in Austria. Austria. Yeah. Um, 
and then you know i i spoke to him uh, a couple of times and everything was cool and then uh uh you know, just realizing that he's only a human being, uh, like, like the rest else. of us, but, yeah. but he's, uh, at the same time, he's one of the guys I've grown up watching on television, and I'm a huge fanboy of both. Yeah. <laughs> Don't worry, so almost, you're not alone there. I'm sure there's, pl- no, I, I, there's plenty. Almost, <laughs> almost every athlete uh, I race right now is like, uh, you know, it's almost unreal because uh, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. people I've I've been watching on television. Yeah, so that's awesome. but, I love but it. it's funny because in um, when we were in Tallinn, uh, we went to the press conference, and that was that was my first press conference. And we were standing outside of the hotel, and and Keenly comes down and started started uh, speaking to me, and you know, even though you know I'm in my right to be there at the press conference, but just the fact that he speaks to me that's just <laughs> I, I didn't know i didn't know what to say and i kind of stumbled over oh, words yeah. <laughs> I, it was it was so fun and i think he realized too but oh, that's cool it was it's so fun to like he's you know he just he's just a normal guy and he's yes. so down to earth and yeah. ready to teach what he have learned through the years and exactly. he's uh, as you yeah. say said uh, a very you know, a great mentor and uh, and a role model in sports uh, in general. So, uh, yeah. yeah, that's uh, it's it's nice to to have one of those guys, uh, yeah, doing as well as uh, as he's doing right now. Um, I agree. Yeah, showing in in Kona for sure with uh, with that performance. So, uh, yeah. Well, he's, uh, Daniel, he's pretty awesome. I think I think in another ten to twelve years' time. We'll, we'll, as you said, we'll, we'll check in again with you, and um, you'll be, you'll be the next start, Sebastian Kinley. So you'll be the one doing the mentoring, and, and there'll be other up and coming athletes that start stumbling for words when they go to talk to you too. <laughs> well, yeah, it's uh, I don't know about that, but uh, I'll, I'll try. Uh, let's see what's happening. Oh, I love it! I love it, honestly. Well, listen, thank you so much um, for your time today. You're an absolute darling, and as I said, one of my favourite things about doing this podcast is I get the opportunity to pick and choose athletes all around the world and there's nothing better than talking to an athlete for the very first time and realizing that they're an absolute darling. So thank you. You're, you're <laughs> well, a wonderful you, human being. So. And um, I really look forward to seeing you in uh, Daytona in December. Yeah, I look forward to seeing you too. And uh, thanks a lot for the call. It was nice chatting with you. Thank you, darling. Speak to you soon. Me too. Thanks for listening to Coffee Calls with Belinda. I really hope you enjoyed listening. If you'd like to continue listening and stay updated on our latest podcasts, then please subscribe. It would also be great if you could rate our podcast and leave us a review. If you have any specific questions you'd like me to ask the athletes, then please send through to the following email address, podcast at challenge slash family.com. The making of these podcasts would not be possible without the wonderful help of our great partners, Powerbar, Otso, Zone 3, Lubos Billick at LB Training, Sport No Limit Group and Velosol. But for now, thanks so much for listening and I'll be back soon for another coffee.